0: You are Locked on Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Welcome to another edition of Locked on Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Alexa, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider Credential, member of the media, and editor over at LockedOnPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter, here with you all today to recap some more Summer League stuff for the Pelicans, give you guys an update on what's going on there, as well as talk a little bit about Julius Randle and what's going to happen here in New Orleans with him now that he is a member of this Pelican squad. And then going to play a clip from Locked On Bulls on the Zach Levine reaction to them matching, bringing him back to the Chicago Bulls and where maybe it kind of leaves the Sacramento Kings. So all of that and more in today's edition of Locked On Pelicans. So first things first, Summer League, and an update on that, and as of when I'm recording this, there is no update still, because there's a couple games left to be played in pool play before you seed for the tournament, and then you kind of draw your opponent in what's going to be a knockout stage, basically, of it. So you should get two more games from New Orleans, uh, at the very least. They all play five games total. So there's more chances to see these guys. We have more chances to see if Trevon Blewett is the real deal, if he's uh, a serious shooter, and if he shows other real solid discernible NBA skills. Though, again, the big one here is shooting. But you have to figure this is going to be a guy that gets invited to training camp. I wouldn't be shocked they offer him a training camp deal to kind of lock him in on that to keep him here and see if he has a chance to earn a spot on this team. Again, two-way contract certainly going to be on the table for him. Tony Carr, maybe he's playing himself Out of a two-way contract, and maybe the other one goes to, as I've said, Walt Lemon Jr., and I think that would be a good fit, given what we've seen from him. Just kind of the best all-around point guard on the team so far, kind of making things happen in a variety of ways. So, we got two more games before we can really kind of make any determination. Again, it's just Summer League, and we got to remember that. I'm not saying don't get hyped for Blewett. He's been fun to watch. It's nice to see a shooter. But two games of Summer League isn't going to do it. Let's see how he does after five games. At least it's more than two or three so far. So I think that'll be a big thing. I think it'll be a lot of fun to see what he can do because there's some chances there. And he knows he has a lot of money on the line for himself potentially. So we'll see what these guys do once the seeding happens, once we hit the next stage of Summer League pass pool play, which of course we'll recap and talk about here on Locked on Pelicans. So quick hit right there on that. If you want to know more about Summer League and everything going on, if there's a player you're interested in, or if you want to know how some of the top drafted rookies are doing, there is a Locked On NBA podcast for every single team in the NBA, all about 20 minutes or less, five days a week. So if you're curious about any other team or any specific player, go check out that team's podcast because they will be covering it in depth like no one else does. So make sure you listen to any of the Locked On NBA teams that you want to know. All right, let's talk some X's and O's and Julius Randle. Not quite X's and O's, but style of play, how he'll fit in. And I think this is really a big thing because I'm excited about Julius Randle. And, you know, he's not going to come in and replicate the numbers that DeMarcus Cousins put up last season. He's not going to achieve that almost, you know, 14 rebounds per game, 20-plus points for the Pelicans that, you know, Cousins did. He's not necessary. He's not even the same type of player. But Randall played well for L.A. last season, and there's a number of things you've got to keep in mind with that. This is a guy who, in 49 starts, did play all 82 games. That's a nice thing, too. Averaged 16.1 points per game, 8 rebounds as well, and 2.6 assists. Turnovers a bit high, 2.6 assists as well, but he has a pretty good shooting game, 55.8% from the field because all of those looks are really coming inside for him. His numbers significantly increased in the second half of the year, particularly after the All-Star break, um, with his level of play, but also even during that time when those numbers were going up, he was asked to kind of defer to some of these younger guys a little bit more, like Kyle Kuzma, like Lonzo Ball. They didn't want Randall passing and leading the break as much. They wanted a guy like Ball doing that to get them kind of the reps and the experience, and I think you could almost see the writing on the wall for Julius Randall during that time. But he did that and still put up even better numbers than his regular season stat line indicate so this is a guy who's just steadily improved and the first thing you see and this is always weird to talk about is his body dude get cut went from kind of like one of those like uh in shape fat-ish guys, to being just cut over a number of years working really hard. So work ethic, you have to feel like, is there. And that's important, particularly with the conditioning and everything else, if you want to make it in this Pelican style of play, and they are going to get out in transition, play, run, and be fast. I think that's definitely a big thing. And he's capable of all that. This is a strong dude that's really, really quick. And when you see him get a full head of steam after maybe he gets a stop on the defensive side of the ball, he gets a full head of steam and he starts going down and good luck stopping him. You remember those Cousins drives where he just acts like a freight train from the top of the three-point line drives, usually draws contact, kind of throws up a shot that usually went in more often than not because he's tall and he could shoot near the rim? Well, Julius Randle does a lot of that, just a little bit more in. In control and a little bit quicker than what Cousins did, but he's a bull, make no doubt about it. He can really get down low and put in a lot of time and score that way. Um, and I think that's how you're going to use him. He's also a good passer out of the high pick and roll, so I still think you run four or five pick and rolls with him and Anthony Davis with Randall playing the five, even though he's a little bit undersized for it. Um, if you're talking just pure height. But overall, uh, he's capable of passing out of there and kind of creating a little bit. I think you'll see his assist numbers go up. I don't think they'll reach the. DeMarcus Cousins level of things, but certainly four assists per game, I think is a reasonable number for him to achieve. I think he will achieve that, particularly because he makes very decisive passes in transition. Most teams have their guards lead the fast break. You're going to see the Pelicans do it with Anthony Davis and Julius Randle. This leaves the guards to kind of be those trail men in transition with a role Cousins filled, which I think is a good fit. They're usually better shooters. So instead of um, Davis and a guard running out in transition, you put those guards around the perimeter for kickouts after the transition drive and I think you have a better chance of having more success because you don't have one of those guards playing in the break with Anthony Davis. You can do it definitely with Randall and Anthony Davis and I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Defensively, this is where he gets interesting. To close games out, you know, those five final 5 minutes of the game, the finishing five. Well, for the finishing five, Randall played the five and I think that's a big thing. He's strong in terms of rim protection. And you can see it. He's He's got strength there that doesn't let people bully him down on the low block. He's very quick and athletic, and that's important, particularly in this Pelicans defense. And we should see the defense be even better than they were last year with, that, with Cousins out there now with Randall because he can switch better. And in this league where you want to switch and where the Pelicans have a big switching scheme, all of a sudden you can see Julius Randle just swallow up smaller guards, quicker guards that think they can take him one-on-one on a switch and it turns out it's not really a big mismatch and he can kind of handle this and when you force that steal or get that rebound that's where he becomes that freight train in transition where he can get out he can run and he can score at the rim or he can kind of make a big pass to Anthony Davis there so again this this fit makes a ton of sense the one area we have concern about is definitely going to be his three-point shooting which isn't a thing and not something we want him to be doing and what that might mean mean for spacing the court for Anthony Davis does that put AD more in a court spacing role kind of like what Cousins did where he's hanging around the three-point line while um, Julius Randle works down low Maybe, but there's also different lineup combinations you can run. You can run Davis and Miritich to if you need the court spacing for AD to attack down low. You can run Miritich and Randall together too, or you can do, you know, of course, AD and Randall, which I think you'll see a lot, but I think you're going to see those three combinations out there a good bit to really kind of make the most of these guys' talents, and I think we'll see more of that and how that's done as we get closer to training camp and preseason for the New Orleans Pelicans. So if you want to know more about all the free agent signings that are happening at a lightning quick pace, and there's some news about Carmelo Anthony, which of course you're going to be hearing about um, in today's edition of it, and that's the Locked On NBA podcast, the main channel, Monday through Friday, five days a week, breaking down every single thing happening in the association. I'm of course on there every Wednesday breaking down what's going on alongside John Corrales, gonna be talking some Carmelo Anthony hey so you he fit for New Orleans is there any other team out there that kind of makes sense other than the Houston Rockets even if it doesn't really make that much sense for them but me, that's good we want them to kind of drop a level we'll talk about all of that and just recap everything going on around the NBA over at locked on NBA the big news the other day in the NBA was the Sacramento Kings making a near max deal for uh, Zach Levine, the restricted free agent from the Chicago Bulls, but they matched. So what's it mean for the Bulls? What's it kind of mean for the Kings a little bit? And is this a good move paying this dude basically $20 million a year? And I've got a clip from Locked on Bulls to kind of take it away and let you guys know a little bit more about one of the bigger stories in the NBA.
2: What's up, Locked On NBA fans? This is Jordan Malley and Matt Peck with you here from Locked On Bulls. Just touching on the breaking news of Zach Levine's re-signing with the Bulls after the Sacramento Kings offered him offer sheet a of four-year, $78 million. This coming over the weekend on Friday nights, the Bulls were quick to match Zach Levine. This has been a conversation that Matt and I have had multiple times and uh, it's almost a daily occurrence over the last two months over at Locked On Bulls. And so we just wanted to give you guys our quick reaction of what we think of it and maybe what Bulls fans are reacting to it too. So overall, Matt, this was kind of expected. Obviously the money was a little bit more than we both initially thought, but what did you overall think of this deal and what it does for the Bulls going forward. Yeah,
0: what's up, Locked On NBA Nation, Jordan? I think leading up to this, I was trying to be optimistic that the Bulls and Levine could come to a a team-friendly deal because looking at the market this summer across the league, I didn't see that many teams that had, of the small amount of them, that had the money to offer Levine close to a max deal or even something as significant as 20 mil per over several seasons I just didn't see him getting those offers from anywhere. And the wild card, always the wild card, the Sacramento Kings, who knows what that team, what that front office is doing. I said that was the one hang up when they were rumored to be one of the teams that would be interested, even though it didn't seem to make a lot of sense for them. Buddy Heald and and Bogdanovich, two of their better players, play the same position as Levine. So I don't see why they really gave him that offer so it's unfortunate that the Bulls were put in the position where they had to match to pay him annually a little bit more than that what they would have liked to pay him. But basically what happened here is that the Bulls used their leverage to say, we're not going to just throw this money at you like it seemed the magic did with Aaron Gordon. They, they said, if you want to test the waters and go out and get a, a bigger offer sheet than what we think is fair, bring us an offer sheet and we'll probably match it and we want to keep you. So that's what Levine did, and that's what the Bulls did. Logically, it all makes sense. It's just unfortunate that from the Bulls front office perspective and I think from largely the fan base's perspective, it's a little bit of an overpay to keep him in town.
2: Look I get the the conversation about what Zach Levine has done in his first three years and the production level has clearly haven't hasn't been there. He was inconsistent on his offensive side in the 25 games he played with the Bulls uh, but even pre-injury people talked about his clip at 40 percent at from shooting from three and about 45 percent uh, field goal percentage overall. I look at that and I just say the Bulls were stuck. When they made the Butler trade a year ago, they knew they were going to do this. They knew that they had to do this, that his contract talk was going to be coming up and it was probably going to range from 15 to 20 million dollars like the Bulls knew that and they played the odds. They told Zach Levine, go out and find out if you can see what offer sheets will get offered to you and what you want to sign and we'll decide from there. Ultimately, I didn't think there was ever really a question whether or not Zach Levine was going to return to the Bulls, and it's it's the same sentiment I had back in February, back in March when Zach Levine was playing every day or every other day for that matter. But and I get the argument too. Zach Levine ranked 471st out of a 521 NBA players last season with a negative 3.30 RPM, a negative 1.16 offensive. RPM and a negative 2.14 in defense. So I get that. I get he was one of the least efficient NBA players over the first three years of his his career. I get that he's one of the worst defenders as far as defensive box plus minus goes. I get all of that. But you're also paying for potential here. And the market was weird this year. So I think ultimately I'm fine with the $19.5 million. And I think it's all going to come down to effort as far as on Zach Levine's side of the, uh, Zach Levine's side of the contract. Yeah,
0: you hope he Improves and you hope that the small sample size of him in a Bulls uniform last season turns out to be irrelevant when looking at this contract and looking at the player that he becomes over the course of this contract. Hopefully, it's a player that the Bulls do want to keep around. And hopefully, by the time that he is 26 or 27, winding down the back end of this contract, we're looking back and saying, Wow, that contract actually turned out to be a steal. I'm not convinced that that's going to happen, but putting yourself in the Bulls front office's shoes, they really didn't have much of a choice here. They they had to match it. It made sense to match it. And now, as you said, you hope that this potential contract turns into a good contract.
2: One last thing, too, to touch on as far as why we feel like this Levine deal isn't as bad as maybe some fans are reacting. And even nationally, as the NBA goes, uh, people were laughing at this deal saying, of course, the Bulls overpaid. I look at this from this perspective. Yeah, the Bulls have a ton of cap space next season and in 2020. And the Bulls, over the last 18 months, have been telling us over and over and over again, 2019, 2020, we want to be flexible with the cap. Great. My my point was, what free agents and what history has told us with bulls with the Bulls recently, over the last decade, what top free agents have come to Chicago? None. None. The Bulls have missed out on all top free agents coming here. 2010 with LeBron and D-Wade and Chris Bosh. And you ended up getting Boozer. 2014 when they wanted Melo, he decided to go back to New York. Like, you talk about all these deals and all these free agents. It's great to have the cap space. But you also have to have the players to recruit and you have to have the timeline in the history of saying, yeah, I have some trust in the Bulls being able to go out and sign one free agent, one top superstar free agent, two top two superstar free agents. So I look at that and it's like, I don't have that much trust in the Bulls front office to draw. It's a big time free agent, a franchise changing player. So I'd rather take the risk And sure. 19.5 million a year for the next four years might seem like a lot right now, but I'd rather way risk it on a 23 year old that has before pre-injury had potential superstar ability so we'll see what happens with that but I think that's a point that shouldn't be overblown as far as what Bulls fans feel like and what has happened as far as history goes and tells us over the last decade in free agency
0: yeah well you're also asking a fan base that has a tendency to overblow things to not overblow this thing so (laughs) in in due time hopefully we can look at this contract as not uh, the huge mistake that a significant portion of the fan base thinks it is. For more
2: information on the Bulls and if you want to stay up to date with our reaction and maybe Bulls fans reaction, head over to Locked on Bulls. You can subscribe on iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, anywhere you find podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Locked on Bulls, at Jordan C. Malley and at Bulls underscore Gore Peck. Once again, Jordan Malley, Matt Peck here from Locked on Bulls.
1: Thanks to the guys at Locked on Bulls for breaking that all down for us. One of the bigger stories going on around the NBA this time currently. And then we got a situation where we got podcasters kind of on the opposite side from fans when it comes to this. Seeing the money being given out in this artificially kind of deflated market, let's call it. And then all of a sudden, Zach Levine getting one of the bigger deals out there other than the, basically the Max guys is kind of surprising and it makes you feel like If you're getting Randall at 8.6, is Zach Levine worth $20 million a year? And you want to say no, but it's a restricted free agent. That's kind of a different situation, so I don't think we can really compare the two to being the exact same thing. So kind of intriguing on what's going on there, and of course it's a gamble, and we'll find out if it pays off. He's shown so many flashes. The injuries certainly is a bad thing, but if he comes back and he's fully healthy and he was what he was before, he's definitely worth that kind of money. But as always when it comes to injured players and restricted free agents, can be a gamble, it can kind of clog up your cap sheet so only time will really be able to tell. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Pelicans. Thank you all for listening today. We should have more later in the week. I'm traveling for work, so we're going to see how it goes. I'm going to try and bring my mic to be able to record, or we'll just have kind of bad audio quality a little bit with it. But I think we should be okay. We will still have podcasts as we break down what's happening on with the team in Summer League. So as always, I'm your host, Jake Madison, at Jake on Twitter. Thank you all for listening, and we will be back with you all next time.